the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Judges, we see one tribe unwilling to fully possess their inheritance because it's not easy enough. So instead, they migrate north and steal land from another tribe. We'll pick it up in Judges chapter 18, verse 1. The title of the message is, A Time for Examination. All right, Judges chapter Strange. Might as well call chapter 18 Strange. Chapter 17 was quite strange. That chapter ended with this man Micah, Believing his life would turn around because now he had a Levite for his personal priest. And now he had idols of the Lord in his little shrine he had in his house. Well, there's two major problems with this mindset. First, we can never earn God's favor. So anytime we set up a situation where we're seeking to earn God's favor, we're going to be disappointed because God doesn't give out his favor that way. His grace is unearned. But the second major problem is no human being can control enough of their environment to ensure nothing else interferes. And this is a danger of trying to accumulate a situation in your life and say, this is what it will take for me to be happy. This is what it means to have a good life for me. Because you cannot control enough of your environment to ensure nothing can interfere with that. Micah is going to learn about that second problem when the tribe of Dan passes through his region with their own selfish plans. The crazy thing is Micah didn't need to come up with a plan to guarantee God's blessings. What Micah needed to focus on was spiritual checkups. The Bible tells us we need regular spiritual examinations. And because we see the people in this chapter aren't having them, we see why we need them. So, Chapter 18, we begin in verse 1. Here we see the phrase again, In those days there was no king in Israel. And in those days the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. For unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. And the children of Dan sent of their family five men from their coasts, men of valor, from Zorah and from Eshtel, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, Go search the land. Who when they came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they lodged there. 
So we see the chapter starts off with the same thing that chapter 17, verse 6 said. There was no king in Israel. Every man did that which is right in their own eyes. There was no standard. No one was following the Lord's leadership. Everyone was their own king. And during this time of self-rule, a major event in Israel's history occurred. It says that the tribe of Dan, they looked for an inheritance, basically a hereditary land that they could settle down in. Why were they looking for an inheritance? God had already assigned them land with all of its boundaries under Joshua's leadership. So why would the tribe of Dan need to do that? In Joshua chapter 19, verses 40 through 46, we see the portion of land that fell to the tribe of Dan. It says, In the seventh lot, in Joshua 19, 40, came out for the tribe of the children of Dan according to their families. And their coast of their inheritance was, and it describes the region that was in the western hills of the central plateau of Israel, and then the valleys where modern-day Gaza is, and then a little bit north of there, the valley where the Philistines were. That was the land that was given to the tribe of Dan. Now, the tribe of Dan, it says that the reason they were looking for new land, even though God had already given them a land, is because unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them from among the tribes of Israel. They were the only ones who really weren't able to settle down in the land that God chose for them. Why? Judges 1, verses 34 and 35 tells us that story. It's been a while since we've been in Judges 1, so I'll read it to you again. And the Amorites, verse 34 of Judges 1, And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, into the hilly region, for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley. But the Amorites would dwell in Mount Heres in Aijalon and in Shaalbim. Yet the hand of, the, of Joseph prevailed so that they became tributaries. So the overarching story is Dan found out what land they had, and they decided, all right, let's go. And they went to their land, and they met fierce opposition from the pockets of resistance that remained. And so as they were trying to deal with those pockets of resistance, it didn't go well at first. The Amorites pushed them back up into the hill country. Now, it's in that time period that the events of Judges 18 occur. They are squashed into this small area. They are thinking there's no way that they can win. Now, the tribe of Dan definitely were assigned the largest land to settle into. But instead of persevering, the tribe gave up. And they decided to look elsewhere for land. Land that God did not give to them. Now, Judges 31-35 tells us that eventually Joseph came to help. And the faithful ones in Dan that stayed, eventually they were able to get a chunk of land that they could settle down in. But we're in the time before that time. They didn't want to persevere anymore. They just gave up. And so they send out scouts to look for a land God didn't give to them. Back in chapter 18, verse 2. And the children of Dan sent of their family five men from their coasts, men of valor, able-bodied men, good soldiers. These guys could be effective spies and scouts. They were from Zorah and from Eshtiel. That's where Samson would be born 300 years after this chapter. And they 
sent them to spy out the land and to search it and said unto them, go search the land. So these guys go out to search the land. And as they're traveling north, they come to Mount Ephraim and they come to the house of Micah and they decide to stop there, to remain there, to spend the night there. Now, why do they stop there? Well, verse 3 tells us that the Levite, who we learned about in chapter 17, who's now Micah's personal priest, his voice caught their attention. Look at verse 3. When they were by, near the house of Micah, they knew, the word knew here means to recognize, they recognized the voice of the young man, the Levite. So they turned into this house and they said unto him, who brought you here? And what do you make in this place? And what have you here? Now, the text is unclear if they recognized that his accent wasn't from these parts or they actually knew who he was. Now, up to this point, this Levite is unnamed. Now, I told you there were some spoilers here that it's kind of an interesting story, but this unnamed Levite is not someone who would be unrecognizable in Israel. So it is possible. It's not just they recognize his accent was from a different part of Israel. It's possible they recognized his voice. He's not identified yet, but he will be identified by the end of the chapter. So when they hear this guy's voice, they change direction. They come to the house. They send him to him. Who brought you here? In other words, you don't belong here. What are you doing here? And what do you make in this place? What do you do here? You're a Levite. What have you here? And they're looking at his priestly outfit, his nice garments. Why are you a Levite? Why are you wearing priestly garments? See, they knew this wasn't a Levitical city, and they certainly knew it wasn't the tabernacle. So what's a priest of the Lord doing here? And why is a Levite acting like a priest? Is this guy on some special assignment? These guys knew enough of the Bible to know that this was not the norm. But they didn't know enough of the Bible to know that it was wrong. So in curiosity, they ask. And so in verse 4, the Levite says unto them, Thus and thus deals Micah with me, and he has hired me, and I am his priest. So when the Levite gives them this response, the spies think to themselves, Ooh, this is definitely the Lord. Let's stay here tonight, and let's see if God will tell him if we're on the right track. Verse 5, And they said unto him, Ask counsel, which means find out, we pray you, from God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. In other words, hey, you've got a direct line to God. Ask him if we're going the right way. Ask him if our journey will be successful. Now, we need to stop here a moment. Because sadly, I've seen many Christians repeat this mistake. They violate one of God's clear commands, and then they'll come to a brother or sister in Christ or a pastor to seek counsel about God's direction to move forward. It doesn't work like that, though. And if you get any answer, if you're in that situation where you've disobeyed a clear command from God, and then you're saying, well, how can we make this work? If you get any answer from someone other than you need to repent, then guess what? It's not the Lord. Listen, I know this firsthand. God surely can give success to men and women who fail, even those who fail miserably as Christians. 
but I am never going to find God leading me in an area I am violating his command. I can't come to God and say, listen, Lord, um, you know, the finances are tight. So I'm asking you for wisdom. You said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. I'm asking you for wisdom on how I can steal from my boss best, how that can be most successful. You can't do that. God will never answer that prayer with anything other than, Will, I love you. Repent. You need to stop doing this. That will be the only answer I will receive from the Lord. And so if you're going to someone, or if someone's coming to you and they're clearly outside of the will of God, if you give them any other counsel, you are not speaking for the Lord. You are speaking a lie from your own heart. And so I would ask, are you moving in the opposite direction to God's command right now? Are you doing something that is clearly outside of his will? Listen, what Dan was facing was not easy. But God's will wasn't in any other place than the land he'd already given to them. There was no other place that God was going to lead them to find land. And it's the same for you. If you are stuck in a very difficult marriage, God has no one else in mind for you. There is no greener pastures. God wants you to be faithful right where you are at. Now, obviously, if you're in physical danger, get to safety. That's not what I'm saying. But oftentimes I hear Christians say, well, I'm just praying for God to get you out of that marriage and to find you someone that you deserve. That is horrible counsel. And God is not listening to that prayer. God loves you and he will help you. But you must repent and submit to his commands. Because here's the truth. If you keep asking long enough, you'll eventually find someone who claims to speak for God who will give you permission for what you want to do. But they will be lying to you. Look at verse 6. And the priest said unto them, go in peace. The word there is that beautiful Hebrew word, shalom. That word shalom, it was so cool. Someone came to the church this week and they stopped by and they shared it. I've been praying for shalom for you, Pastor Will. You know, shalom is such a beautiful word because it's not just like inner peace or the sense of, okay, I I trust the Lord, everything's okay. The word encompasses a person's entire well-being. It's your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being, your emotional well-being, your financial well-being. And so when someone says to you, go in peace, it means you're right where you need to be, man. You are right where you need to be. Go in shalom. They were not right where they needed to be. But then he adds to the lie and he says, before the Lord is your way wherein you go. That's a fancy way of saying your journey has the Lord's approval. How does he know? You know, one of the most fascinating things I hear people say to me is, well, I don't think God would ever ask me to do that. Really? How how do you know? How do you know? Do Do you have some type of access to God that none of us have? How do you know that? Well, well, I just think God wouldn't be that way. Okay, well, that's fine that you may think that, but the Bible says we're supposed to take all of our thoughts into captivity and to bring them into obedience to Christ. So we do have his revealed word, and we know that God wouldn't be the way that you're saying he would be. 
So I know you think that way, but you're thinking wrongly. So you need to repent and bring your thoughts into obedience to Christ. You see, if this guy was doing what a Levite should do, he would consult the law and send them back home. He might have consulted the idols. Who knows? He might have even thought that he heard from God. I don't know. All I do know is that he didn't tell them the truth because God didn't tell him anything because God had already told the tribe of Dan in his word where their blessing was. When someone comes to you for counsel, do you pull your response from your own ideas or from God's word? Listen, as a pastor of a church, people always want to know my opinion. My opinion matters very little. I'm just letting you know that right now. It's not that important. But Jesus' opinion is uber important. <laughs> it is incredibly important. Well, confident in God's blessing, these five guys head off in the morning. Verse 7. Then the five men departed, and they came to Laish. Laish was a city over 100 miles to the north, way far away from where God had given Dan land. And they saw the people. They began to spy on the people that were living in Laish, and they noticed how they dwelt careless. The word there means secure in their own safety. They hadn't set up any defenses, and therefore they were vulnerable. And they also, as they did some investigating, they saw how they dwelt careless and that they were after the manner of the Zidonians, that that place of their origin was the city of Sidon. Now, the city of Sidon was not a city you wanted to mess with. However, even though they were from the city of Sidon, they were nowhere near Sidon. Laish is far from Sidon. And so these people, they were quiet and secure. They were at peace with each other. They were trusting of their neighbors. It says there was no magistrate in the land. The word refers to like a tyrant or a dynastic ruler who's controlling everything around the region so he can pass it on to his son, you know, and then pass it on to his son and keep it going. There was no one like that who was oppressing the people and had a standing army. Any resistance that Laish could muster would be uncoordinated undisciplined, and it would be far away from anyone who could really give serious help. It says there was no magistrate in the land that might put them to shame in anything, and they were far from the Zidonians, and they had no business, no close association, no mutual pact of defense with any of the other peoples around them. This was the perfect target for the tribe of Dan. And so verse 8, they had home. They found the answer. They found the place. And so they came, verse 8, unto their brethren back to Zorah and Eshtel. And their brethren said unto them, What say you? What do you find? And they responded, Arise, that we may go up against them. For we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. That is an interesting term to use. Remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said to him, Good master. And Jesus, of course, ignored him at first and said, why do you call me good? Only God's good. Have you noticed something in me that's godlike? Have you noticed something in me that's godly? Is that why you call me good? Or are you just using the phrase? Only God is good. Therefore, all goodness must in some way be associated with him. So how could they call this land that wasn't in God's will good? It wasn't really good. And the people of Dan know this because they're hesitant to act despite the good report. The spies say to them, and are you still? 
there's a colon there where there's no response. And are you still means, do you have nothing to say? No one wants to speak up about this? It's interesting. In James chapter 1, it tells us the progression of how we end up in sin. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, it says to us, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. God tests us, but he doesn't ever tempt us with evil. If you're tempted, verse 14, if I'm tempted, it's because every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and then sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Don't let that happen to you, my beloved brethren. Don't, do not err. Don't go down that path, is what James says. So here this is a situation where these people, they're only, as we'll see by the end of the chapter, they're only two generations removed from Joshua. So they had a knowledge of the land that God had given them to this. This wasn't just people drew straws and this was our land. They knew that God had appointed this land to them. And so when they hear this, it's like that moment. It's like if you're married and that person at work is flirting with you and you're thinking, oh, that that feels special, feels nice, but I can't do that. But then the moment of truth comes and the person comes out and just says it. I have feelings for you. I'm married. I know. Now what? Now what do I do? That's the moment where they're at right here. They know it's wrong, but they're not saying no, and they're not saying yes. And what happens in a situation like that when you're not saying no, but you're not saying yes because you know it's wrong, but you're not saying no because current situation stinks? What happens is you begin to start weighing things out. Their current situation, very difficult. Didn't see any way God's plan could work out. I mean, we know God told us to do this, but I can't see any way that works. Now, the other plan looks way better. I mean, we can whoop these people. We can have a land to ourselves. Nobody around us will bother us. But that's outside God's will. So they're weighing it out. And when you and I start weighing things out, instead of saying, but I must obey God, it's only a matter of time before you lose the battle. We are told to make our calling and our election sure. The word sure means to firm up, to stabilize, to validate. It means that I should do spiritual check-ins with God on a regular basis so this horrible story of Judges 18 never repeats itself in my life. Now, if you're doing those spiritual check-ins, then don't fear There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He gives grace to the humble, amen? We don't have to fear losing our salvation. That's not what I'm talking about here. But I would say to you, if you haven't been doing those check-ins, or you've been following your heart instead of God's word, then it's time to schedule an appointment. It's time to repent. Because if your focus, like the tribe of Dan, is on finding your best life now, rather than seeking God's ways, then it is indeed time to repent. So let's examine ourselves. See if we're in the faith so that we can grow, that we can mature. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, even though this is a bizarre story, Lord. And and the crazy thing is with the remaining part of Judges, it gets even more bizarre. 
So Lord, you have called us to do regular checkups, to come for regular examinations with you. Lord, your servant David said, search me, O God, know my heart, know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in your path, your eternal path, your way everlasting. Lord, we want to do the same thing that David did. So here we are. Or have your way. Not to condemn us, but because you're a loving father who knows what's best for us and we trust you. So Lord, if there's anything in my life, anything in my thought life, anything in my behavior, anything in my heart that is in opposition to you, search me, reveal it so we can deal with it together and I can be on the right path again. Lord, I pray for everyone who's saying that right now, that if there's anything in their lives that needs to change, reveal it to them right now. Do a powerful work of your spirit. Even though, Lord, we're not here physically together, do a powerful work on your spirit in homes right now. Lord, we love you. Thank you for being a good God, a true father who loves us enough to give true spiritual care, to tell us when we're off the path. And thank you, Lord, that you are more than able, more than able to get us on the right path and finish what you've started in us. We love you. And we thank you that there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. We thank you for the promise that you discipline those who are your kids. So Lord, even though no discipline is joyful, we welcome your leading in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.